Hello and welcome to a very spooky episode of Weekly Monotony, the official podcast of the entertainment blog DailyMonotony.com. Ah, ah, ah. I am Dustin England, and I'm, I'll, I'll stop that stupid voice now. No, keep it going. It's it's Halloween. You, you got to keep the theme rolling. Here. It is Halloween, uh, and what a great time for spooky things. Uh, of course, that is my co-host, Mr. Todd England. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a great time for media in general, and it's you know it's kind of fun when you think about it that uh, there really is a nice pairing between I think movies and this time of the year, uh, especially once you get out of the sort of you know younger age of it just being trick or treating and candy. Then you get into this kind of like scary media fests and stuff like that, and there's a lot of fun movies. And in fact, at the end of this episode, we're actually going to talk about some of our favorite scary movies. So if you're putting together a Halloween party or something like that and you want to put on some, some really good scary movies or just really relive some of the uh, great scary movies that we've had throughout the past, uh, we'll give you our uh, top five picks for that. But first, as always, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching, and it's been a couple weeks. I know we've probably watched a lot, but we'll just pick some of the things that uh, over these past few weeks that we've been seeing that we really think you should go out and see or rent. Uh, Todd, why don't you start us off? Anything you've been watching or playing you want to talk about? Uh, well, I am actually just fresh back into the States from a sojourn over in Bulgaria, our, our finer country to the, to the far east. <laughs> Not quite far east, at least European east. Uh, and as it happens, getting there and back puts you on a plane for quite a few hours. So I managed to catch up on a few movies that I've uh, meant to see but I haven't. And among those, uh, Transform or no, uh, Terminator, the, the Terminator oh, Salvation. Salvation, the one that – uh, I, I think from podcasts did, from earlier this summer, I mentioned that I wanted to see but skipped because of the now, bad didn't reviews. didn't I tell you not to see this film? Everybody was giving... <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. What, what did you think? I mean, that's, this, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, flying on planes was actually a great, a great forcing function for watching films that I don't think you'd otherwise watch because you're like, I'm stuck in a plane. I can either <laughs> stare at the, the fat guy next to me or I can watch a movie. I don't care what it is. Exactly. Just watch a movie. So, uh, yeah, what 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 you think? That was the case in this plane. In fact, most of these movies, I was surprised. Uh, if, if you're flying international, I've flown many airlines international, but Air France, both ways, uh, transatlantic, had in-flight entertainment that actually had most of these movies on demand in the in-flight entertainment. So That's even cool. though I'd put a lot of them on my <laughs> iPhone, I didn't really need them. They were already built into the seat. Yeah. But uh, Terminator Salvation, so not to make a full review out of it, I heard all the bad reviews. I watched it. I, in my opinion, it was just about as bad as the reviews made it out to be. <laughs> to me, it just was not a Terminator movie. No. Uh, I, I was genuinely disappointed. I, there are a few bright spots for me that I didn't realize were going to be there. In particular, um, I, I guess that played John Connor's dad, the young version of him. He also played Charlie Bartlett in uh, some other movie from last summer. Uh, I, I actually kind of enjoyed his role, but I don't know. I mean, Christian uh, Christian Bale is just not a good. I thought. Uh, I thought this is older yeah. John Connor. For no, me. I thought he, this was probably one of the worst Christian Bale performances I've ever seen. And because I, I generally think he's a pretty good actor, but I, this he was just he was one note. It it seems like he showed up and didn't care and didn't try, which makes the whole you know you now it was kind of ancient, but uh, that huge blow up he had at one of the. Uh, one of the assistant directors for adjusting the lights and, of course, that huge, like, swearing-filled tirade just all the more worse because, like, really, dude? You have no right to <laughs> yell at a guy when you're giving, like, yeah. the worst performance of your life. So Yeah, so it really wasn't good. And, and on top of that, I mean, you had mentioned to me, and I didn't, I'd never seen a spoiler, so I had no idea where this came into the movie. I didn't go try to find out that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the movie because yeah. I didn't think he was in it at all i was like oh, really i didn't know that so i was i was like okay where is he going to show up in the movie and then there's this kind of weird pseudo cg i guess maybe he he contributed think, to it somehow i think it, it was definitely well, definitely not his body but uh they right. they i think they scanned in his face and cg'd his face over some some uh some other uh, model's body uh right to be fair i actually thought either way thought it, worked. it felt like it, oh okay it, it worked yeah tell, tell me what you think it worked, but it felt like like it was there because they knew they needed to have it. Sure. Like it, it was so short and so quick. I mean, it was nice because like, oh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's the movie. But it was almost because the movie was so bad. Getting to that point, you're like, ah, oh, like, finally, where have you been? <laughs> it's a Terminator it's like, film. <laughs> it's like you're not. In, if we're begging for you to come save a movie, that's saying something. Yeah. Like yeah. the 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 movie was missing that either kind of 
uh, cheeky charm of Arnold, you know, in this this kind of Terminator role. I don't know. It just it was as bad as the reviews. So this is one case where <laughs> the critic kind of right on and we got it right. Um, I hope the Terminator franchise can kind of recover, but yeah. I don't think it's going to recover with Christian Bale. I think he's not the right it's person. It's not going to cover with take with that Christian Bale and definitely not with McGee. I don't think they're going to let. In fact, well, in fact. I actually can't put my finger on what this was, but I know that the Terminator license went up for sale again because uh, the the company that owned it uh, went bankrupt after Terminator Salvation. So, go figure. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those flops that definitely deserved to. Uh, other movies I saw the um, the X Men Origins, which was a movie that was also around that same period in time that I kind of wanted to see, but kind of had mixed reviews yeah. and just didn't see because I think Star Wars or Star, Star Trek, Trek was out at yeah. the same time. Um, and it was actually kind of middle of the road for me. Definitely really? not as bad as Trans. Or I keep saying Transformers as Terminator. <laughs> you think, you think bad? You think Transformers? So, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's Freudian, I guess. Uh, but it was not as bad that but good as any of the other x-men movies and to put some sort of frame around that i liked the first x-men movie was not really a fan of the second one really? where magneto played his big role um was not as much a fan of that one this one to me was okay but a little confusing to me because for me i thought that i didn't i guess I, i'm really not a, a huge x-men follower yeah. and from the previous x-men movies i thought that he had just um his his mutant power was that he healed quickly, yeah. and that because of that, at some point they put these uh, xanthium or whatever it is the the, the metal blades sure. in his arms. Um, I didn't, but this movie obviously leads off of the fact that he's got these bone claws, and that's just something for me that I was like, is that so, true to the canon or what's up with so this? So without going off into the rails into a world of geekdom that no one should ever care about, there is great debate amongst the X Men community as to whether bone claws or the uh, adamantium uh, blades were simply inserted afterwards. Uh, funny enough, uh, something we'll be talking about a little bit later, uh, the Big Bang Theory actually has a an interesting reference to to the bone claws debate, and uh, uh, there actually is there actually is a version of X Men history where Wolverine had bone claws, but yeah. So they. It must be obscure, right? It's, it's not the mainstream history. It's it's a bit more obscure, yeah. It's not it's not the, so the, the classic. I guess cartoon the only problem version. for me is, I think in the previous X Men movies they've done flashbacks to kind of how he got his claws, yeah. which is a bit problematic when you come to make a whole movie about how he becomes who he is, because you have that to reference sure. within their modern Don't, sort to of. To be fair, I don't think sequence I don't, of the movies. I felt like they did a good job of trying to stick to what, to what the flashbacks kind of seem like from the other films. Like I don't think they went too far off the rails with that. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen the other other movies. I'll, I'll I'll admit that up front. And I had thought that from the other movies that the labs that he was in were like Nazi labs, like there was some sort of uh, Nazi yeah. technology being applied to him, which was a little confusing again to see it done in this American CIA type lab context. Right. But I'm I'm just going to assume that my memory was bad and that they paid attention to those details. Either way. The the plot for me was a little bit winding. I mean, it was it was definitely one of those things where it's like there are great parts of it, but it was so much about his love story with yeah. um with who turned out to be I guess another mutant by the end of the right. movie that kind of lost that what needed to be more of an action flick. So uh, just kind of middle of the road, which I think is kind of what reviews it got, which again I think were fair. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that. I guess was is worth one watch, and in fact, I actually would say watching it on an airplane if you have nothing else to watch is probably the best place to watch it because it's, you know, it's 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 better than, than sitting and listening to the engines. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely actually worth an airplane watch. I'll give you that. Good way to pass a couple hours on a plane. That's my box quote for uh, not an airplane because, unless you want to sleep. Uh, because I tried to watch this movie, I kid you not, at least three times. Uh, that is the movie Duplicity with uh, Julia Roberts uh, and Clive Owen. Yes. And I rented this movie for my iPhone, and it was in the in-flight entertainment system. I tried to watch it twice in my hotel room in Bulgaria, <laughs> fell asleep both times. And I also tried to watch it once on the plane coming back, fell asleep on the plane coming back. So. This is a movie that, unless you're just enthralled with those two actors, and I, I generally like at least Clive Owen. Uh, it plays right. so slow. The dialogue is so slow. And I could tell 
that it got better towards the end because I was sleeping and I kind of heard gunshots. I was like, oh man, it's probably more action going on now. I was like, ah, sleep's better. Uh, sleep better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll enjoy sleeping more than, trying <laughs> more to watch. than watching the end of duplicity. That for me, the movie, if it had any value at the end, which I kind of caught the last 10 minutes, I was like, oh wow, how did we get here? Yeah. Um, it was totally lost and completely boring. <laughs> first or so, so so let me unfortunately let me not that let me good. get defense of this a little bit uh i so I, I i saw duplicity when it was in theaters and i actually i actually enjoyed it a little bit i thought overall it it kind of failed as a con film because the whole point of a big con film is they're supposed to be supposed to be a big twist toward the end and i felt like it just it felt very formulaic like they picked out like here's what the con film does you set up this thing you set up an obvious twist waiting to happen and then you release the twist at the end and i felt like it was entirely predictable and that was my problem with it uh and i'll agree it was a little slow it was like i felt like it was trying to i felt like i was trying to be a movie of another era of this of a kind of more like talkative and a bit more suave and cool kind of like a a Cary Grant you know American in Paris sort of throwback film and I I appreciate trying to do something like that I just don't think it worked very well I don't think the the I don't think Clive Owen is actually a very lively character I think he's a little deadpan a little too deadpan for a role like that and I actually felt Julia Roberts was very 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 uh subdued in this film which is a weird thing for Julia Roberts uh Right. She she seemed old, I guess is what I'll put it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah. So, so overall, it was it's a bit slow for a film though. Though I think in the right setting, like I went and saw this like as a matinee on like a like a Sunday afternoon, and actually thought it fit really well in that kind of setting. So so there, I think there are times just, and places. Just drink your caffeine and make sure you're ready for the first hour. Cause, <laughs> though uh, though I I'll have up. to say, and, and I'm I'm not sure if if you'll agree. I thought the opening of this film of the slow motion thing of Paul Giamatti and Tom Wilkinson like yeah, running yeah, at each other yeah. and fighting is is probably one of the best scenes I've seen in the film in a long time. So yeah, unfortunately, it's you get that and right. then you get and like you get... <laughs> nothing for the next hour. It's right. like how did we get from that to this? Yeah. come on. I agree. Um. Other other movie I saw, and I actually had intended to see more, but fri- surprisingly, at least I don't remember. One I do remember is Observe and Report. So I tried to throw some comedy in there. Right. I, I did watch. I will mention this. I did rewatch um, the smash hit from the summer, Hangover, from oh, yes. uh, earlier in the summer on the plane, and it's just as funny the it, second time it really as it is, was yeah. the first time. No, I agree. It's really great movie. Uh, but I did watch Observe and Report, which was a Admittedly, you go go into it knowing it's going to be a stupid comedy. Uh, Seth Rogen, I think, was I think it's a it, Seth this Rogen is, comedy. This is a Seth Rogen comedy, yeah. And it is exactly kind of what you expect it to be, but to me, it was actually more vulgar than I expected it to be. Yeah. Like I expected bad, but it was uh, definitely just all the way bad. Uh, there, there was really not a redeeming moment in the movie. It, it, very barely humorous in parts. Right. Uh, and and I can appreciate stupid comedy. Sure. I mean. You've, if you listen to these podcasts, I can appreciate <laughs> stupid comedy, but this just missed the mark. I mean, this was no Dumb and Dumber. This was right. no uh, Zoolander. This was no where you enjoy the stupidity. This was just vulgar for the sake of being vulgar. Sure. So uh, for me, it was it, it was more, I don't know, it was more entertaining than duplicity, but it wasn't very good. <laughs> Another big uh, stamp of approval for duplicity. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to say that it was made a better movie, but it just I don't know. You kind of more like watching a train wreck sure. than watching uh, some some ballet. <laughs> yeah, I I, I haven't haven't seen Observant Report, and uh, I've actually been interested in in maybe maybe seeing it and renting it, but but it sounds like it's not not worth it. I heard it was kind of a darker comedy than than you'd expect a for bit, a Seth Rogen a comedy. I guess, I, and I don't follow Seth Rogen comedies enough to say, oh, this fits somewhere See, within the like, spectrum like I, of the things he does. When I think of Seth Rogen, I think of, like, like Knocked Up and uh, uh, Pineapple Express, like, kind of zanier, happier comedies, so. Yeah, this is definitely zany, but the I guess the, perhaps the, the purpose behind that this one, his character is kind of like, you almost end up at the end of the movie feeling bad for him because he's so unaware. And, sure. and I think maybe because we all know somebody like this, it's one of those things where, man, I, I, that's, it's a little close to home. I know sure. somebody kind of like you that just doesn't get it <laughs> and is that dumb, right. but you know does things that stupid. Right. But 
uh, it comes off leaving you feeling a little bit more pity for the character than you really should. I think that they want you to be disgusted by the character, but you feel pity uh, at some point, and that may be where the zaniness kind of fails. But either way, it's worth watching, I guess, if you're, again, stuck on a plane and your other option is duplicity. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it's just go into it knowing, knowing what it is. It's just a very vulgar, very, uh, you know, there's there's hardly anything else to it other than that. So if you can enjoy that for an hour and a half, then that's what you, you know get. what it kind of sounds but, like uh, this this uh, independent comedy I saw in California. Uh, in fact, it was the first movie I ever saw Danny McBride in called The Foot Fist Way, and it was kind of like that too. It was it was funny in parts, but it was like it was a comedy of a guy who was just like so stupid he didn't quite realize the things he were doing. He, the things he was doing were stupid, and he, by the end of the film, you really do feel kind of bad for the guy, and it. It was, it was a little too right. depressing to be funny uh, by the end. So, uh, yeah, it so- sounds yeah, like I think that may be similar syndrome yeah. here. These guys hit, hit a little too close to home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Not Oscar-worthy, but right. uh, we need some other award for this. <laughs> so that that's what I did on my plane rides. Um, but what have you been up cool to? Uh, so there have been a lot of big films that came out, and unfortunately because uh, we were sort of taking a hiatus from the podcast, we didn't get to review them. But still went out and saw them, and I've actually been really impressed and surprised by a lot of the films I've seen. The first one, which I believe came out two weeks ago, I think it's still in theaters, uh, and that is the movie Zombieland uh, by a directorial premiere by a young guy called uh, Ruben Fleischer, starring uh, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, who's sort of, he's kind of like the Michael Sarah, who's not Michael Sarah guy. Uh, he was in Adventureland. He, he plays the, that sort of awkward lanky kid role uh woody harrelson playing this hilarious kind of a uh, like cowboy zombie killer kind of guy uh, uh emma stone abigail breslin are also in it uh and it's it's just it's just a really fun kind of road movie like a real road trip film set in zombie infested united states and uh, first of all i love i love things that take the sort of genre like horror genres and then turn them around on on their face stuff kind of like Shaun of the dead did and uh, uh this is very much in that genre you, you take the the sort of gruesomeness of you know very popular zombie zombie films like you know like 28 days later or like dawn of the dead and put them in a an entirely comedy setting and i i just i actually thought this film was was a terrific film uh it's really lighthearted. uh it's really fun there's some great cameos in it uh I feel like the story works, even though like it's it ends up being mostly kind of a road trip kind of romantic comedy story between the the awkward Michael Sarah clone Jesse Eisenberg and uh, and Emma Stone. Like I actually felt it really works. In fact, I think after seeing this film, I actually think Jesse Eisenberg plays a better Michael Sarah than Michael Sarah does, which which uh, it's it's kind of funny because he he really does seem like he's playing the exact same of same kind of awkward tween role. Uh, but yeah, Zombieland just—it's it's a great film. In fact, it's—if you had to like go out and see a film like in the Halloween era time, that was of the sort of Halloween genre, but you didn't want it to be like super gory, like Saw, or super scary, like Paranormal Activity. I would totally recommend Zombieland if if you wanted to see a film. So, a uh, huge thumbs up for Zombieland. Does it come does it come off come off as more comedy or as more much more comedy? Uh, okay, it's it's a, in fact it has. It has almost a How I Met Your Mother vibe to it with like there's like a lot of there's this whole sequence thing where the the character of Jesse Eisenberg puts forth these rules for how to live in a zombie infested land and they kind of play off that throughout the film and it's really kind of funny. Uh, I, I, just, I think this was was a, a great film from beginning to end and, and probably the most fun I've had at the theater uh, uh, probably since Star Trek. So uh, a really, really fun movie. Uh, definitely recommended. The other big film cool. that came out was the Spike Jones film Where the Wild Things Are, and I have been looking forward to this film for such a long time. Uh, ever since I saw the first trailer, the cinematography just looked beautiful. It looks like it had this crazy childlike innocence to it. Uh, Spike Spike Jones is kind of a crazy director. He did films like uh, Adaptation and Being John Malkovich, which are very very cerebral. Well, I guess not. Well, I guess they are cerebral, but they're very much in the kind of a twisted reality, and uh, and that's what this film looked like. It was it was going for, and of course, it's you know it's based off the the very famous uh, Maurice Sendak uh, book, Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, 
but and here's and here's the thing. It's it's gotten kind of mixed reviews, and this is how I will. This is how I would put my I guess review stamp on it. I think this film is technically performed very well and technically executed almost flawlessly. I think what Spike Jones was attempting to do, which is create, take this this concept of this this child story and create a film that was basically coming directly from the mind of a child. The entire film really is told from a narrative standpoint as a child would tell a story. In fact, he he very much builds that up at the beginning of this film when he's when they're still in the sort of the real world setting before they go off to the wild things. Uh we we actually have the child tell us a story that's very loose and unstructured and kind of sad in a way that's true and yet only a child could say and that's what the film ends up becoming so the when we get into the actual fantasy it, it really is a story being told by a child and that so that that concept is executed flawlessly by spike jones and i think that was exactly what he was trying to do now that said this is where i think people are going to branch off like you're either going to to see that and you're going to love it you're going to love this kind of childlike innocence to it you're going to be engrossed by the but by, by this just this weird reminiscence that you get of of childhood and childhood games and the way that you used to be as a child or you're going to say i have no idea what's going on because there's no narrative thread to this it's there there's nothing to sink me from one instance to the next it's just a bunch of random stuff all happening and yes that is true because it's a child telling a story and I definitely fall into the first camp. I thought this film was amazing. I loved it. I definitely had an easy time letting myself sort of fall into the, oh, yeah, I remember playing games like this as a child. And, oh, yeah, this is exactly how things happened when we were kids. We'd, you know, we'd get into, like, a like a snowball fight and then, or in a dirt clod fight, and, and someone would get hurt, and then someone would get angry. And then what started off being super fun started up being everyone is sad and, like, like going home angry it's it's very much in that sense and i just i just loved it i i i lapped this movie up but there are definitely people and i've gone with people who said yeah i understand what it was going for i think it was done well but i just don't connect with the story it's too loosely coupled for me and and i respect that opinion but i would definitely say this is this is i love this film i'd say you should go see this film see where you fall into the camp i will respect you if you don't like the way that it comes out, but I, I definitely love this film. Interesting. So if I had to choose on a Halloween weekend between Zombieland and the uh, Where the Wild Things Are film, which would you pick? I would say Zombieland. Zombieland is the much better fit. It's a, it fits the genre far better. It's, I think it's far more fun. It's something that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy when you go see it. Where the Wild Things Are is something I think you should save for, I don't know, a, a smaller viewing of Friends. Uh, I would almost say, like, if, if you really want to see this, if you really want to enjoy this film the way it is, go see it. Like, w- wait to watch it alone. I almost feel like there's there's a very personal way you can connect to this film. And uh, and I, I found it very special in that way. So, uh. And it's, it's a film... Um... I don't remember what the runtime on this is, but it's a full-length film, yep. right? It's not like the, some of the other films we've had this year that are are pretty short. Uh, it's I think it's it's a ninety-minute-plus film. It it feels about right. Uh, it doesn't feel doesn't feel too short. Doesn't feel too long. Some people might find it seems a little long because the story is the story is the the concept of a child telling a story is seem can be a bit meandering, and if you don't follow it, you're going to it's going to seem a bit longer. But uh, but I actually thought it felt felt like a good length. This was not like a. Nine. Is it a movie? Is it a movie for you know for food? We have foodies. I don't know for we can't really do. Yes, for this, movies we have it's, movies. This is definitely a movie that's going to appeal to cinephiles. That's for sure because the movie just it looks great. It has that kind of cinephile feeling to it. Spike Jones is sort of a a well known independent director. Like being John Malkovich is very much a movie for movie people, and so is adaptation. I think this is a bit more approachable than some of his other things. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely. I think it. it it's going to land on the movie for movie people, but I think there's something beyond just like, you know, the technical merits of this film that can really appeal to certain people who are not necessarily just movie files. So, so, uh, I don't think it's necessarily cool. just for, just for cinephiles. Cool. And, uh, yeah. So those are things I've been watching quickly. I want to talk about one thing I've been playing and that is uh, a game that came out last week for the PS3 and this is Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, the sequel to 
Uncharted Drake's Fortune, which is it's an exclusive PS3 ch- uh, title. It's kind of been touted as like one of the the good reasons to buy a PS3. Is this? It's basically it's a. How about the <laughs> the only good? <laughs> I won't say the only. There's. I wish this game were on Xbox. I'm bitter. There, there there's some there's some other good games for PS3, but but it, it's very much like it's an Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider kind of game. Uh, third-person shooter action adventure with usually a very Indiana Jonesy kind of story where you're you're going in to find some kind of lost artifact and there's a bunch of crazy stuff that happens in the in the interim and you get basically get this really big, uh, very you know cinematic movie feeling adventure. Now I did not play the original Uncharted and I'm I'm kind of sad to say I've I've heard mixed things about it. Uh, I've wanted to play it but just never got around to it. I heard amazing things about Uncharted 2, so I said, well, I might as well go pick it up and see if I can enjoy it without having played the first one. I, I cannot say how much I've enjoyed this so far. I haven't finished it, but oh my goodness. Not only does this game look better than any game I have ever seen, and I, I literally mean, I literally mean, and I'm using literally as in literally, I got to points where I, I was playing through the game into like a firefight, and I got into a room, and I just, I stopped, and like I, I put the controller down because I was just so blown away by how good everything looked. You know, I'd, I'd stand there just like staring at the details at, of some of these rooms and, and some of the architectures, some of the texture. It's just, the game looks so amazing. It's, it's what you expected when the PS3 said we are the most powerful platform out there to have been seeing in games, you know, three years ago. It's, it's, it's the power of the PS3 finally, I think, being shown uh, as a just a, a superpower. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything come close to looking this good on uh, the 360. So, so the game is gorgeous. Uh, the storyline is engrossing. It's it's a, actually a really good story. The character Nathan Drake. Now I'm not entirely sure if this is true, but I've heard that he was based on the the character of uh, Nathan Fillion from Firefly. So it's very much the kind of snarky dude character who's also you know, kind of noble in a way, but also a thief in a way, and uh, you know, just it's a perfect char- characterization. Uh, I, I really, I think the the writing is really solid. It's you know, it's intriguing, it's funny. The characters are really well written, uh, and th- the story seems like like I think this this comment has been made several times, but the story is just like it seems like I wish like this is what Indiana Jones four could have been like. This, the story is so much better, and there are a lot of cinematics in this, which I would usually say is a bad thing. Except it's such a great story that you're like you're happy to see the next cinematic and basically watch what should have been Indiana Jones four, a a good you know Tomb Raider kind of film. Interesting. Yeah, now I know that these games have even just by the the billing they get from the critics and from the screenshots and things you can see without actually playing them for me are the one i mean it is the one spot for me that makes me wish i had a ps3 to play uh next to the xbox and this is the one game of all the games that go to the ps3 exclusively that i wish would find it's over to the 360 and playing shadow complex where there really right. essentially is the drake yeah basically um, the same essentially the same character, character right? <laughs> uh makes me only want it more because you i enjoyed the character there and i was like man i really wish i could play this character again in another game and, and then you see Uncharted 2, so I don't know if Sony's really paying these guys a lot, <laughs> unlike they I guess they couldn't pay Final Fantasy enough sure. to keep it exclusive, but whatever they're paying these guys to keep it exclusive this is almost their Halo yeah. um, and it's almost more relevant today than Halo is, I mean Halo kind of had its day in the 90s uh, or not, I guess, was it 90s? Early, early 2000s, early 2000s I, guess, I, think. I think I'm going back <laughs> I'm, to I'm pretty sure. 2000, 2003 or 4 whatever it was um, you know, it's a little bit more relevant even today than what Halo is anymore. So I wish that there was a title like this for Xbox, and hopefully, some point in the future, we'll get something like that. Right. But uh, happy to hear that it lives up to its billing, at least for the console that it was designed for. Yeah, I'm, I, I just, it, it kind of sucks. I've been, I've been really busy this week, and I just like every time I have a free moment, I'm like, I want to go play Uncharted, and it's like, oh crap, I have to go get this thing done because there's so much stuff to prepare for, you know, Halloween coming up. But man, it's, it's such a good game. I definitely am loving it. What so are you far. doing? Sewing, sewing costumes in your spare time? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, nice. we'll we'll see you later, maybe. 
I see. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and go into our main segment, and that is scary movies. It is Halloween, and we want to tell you some of our favorite scary movies from throughout film history. No, no particular genre needs to be included. Uh, stuff that we would definitely recommend if you're having a Halloween party and you're looking for some good scary movies, or you're by yourself on Halloween and just looking to give yourself a little fright. These are things we'd recommend. And actually, Todd, I'd first start out with asking, you know, when I was thinking about this, I find it's it's kind of weird to define what a scary movie is because there's definitely a genre called horror, which seems to be associated with Halloween very much. Though I don't necessarily think horror is the only thing that is scary or necessarily the only thing that I'd watch at Halloween. And then there's also like these these weird kind of like suspense films which you might also say are scary movies or are, are very intense, but I'm not sure I would... I'm also not sure I would say fit the category of, of scary movie. And I actually think it's, it's a really broad category. So what when you think of scary movie, what, what do you think of in general? I think you're right. There are different approaches. And for me, scary movie can't be one genre, but it's really two genres. One is the obvious, you know, kind of slash and horror approach to scary movies. And the other is... Uh, very much kind of that creepy, not necessarily gory, but certainly creepy, edge-of-your-seat, uh, goosebumps kind of scary movie. And and I don't know how you quite differentiate these, because there's some that are on the bubble, like, for instance, What Lies Beneath, sure. that to me are intense and scary, but not quite scary movie, as, as you would define mm-hmm. it. Um, but there are others, and some that are on my list, so I won't say them, that are... Not gory, but they very much to me fit the scary movie category. So I think it may be more in the eye of the beholder. Right. What is scary to you? Because um, I'm not a huge gore fest kind of right. fan. So for me, those movies just aren't even appealing at a scary movie sure. level. Um, but I think there are definitely different types of scary movies. And it's very important to know what type of scary movie you can tolerate. Because some just may end up being a make you throw up in your mouth a little bit. And I will go ahead and put it out there that I'm, I'm also not in the the sort of uh, torture porn or gore fest style of horror films. Uh, there's actually some of those films I've seen are, and are fun to watch. I think they can be campy fun and often good to watch with a group of people because they can be actually very fun to make fun of. But uh, I will, I would say that I, I'm I'm definitely more in the I would I like I would say I like uh, scary movies that are more like a haunted house where it's not where it's you know, it's there to like keep you on the edge of your seat and kind of frighten you without necessarily making you feel sick to your stomach. So, yeah, uh, cool. Well, let's start things off, Todd. Uh, why don't you why don't you give us your first your first scary movie you recommend for for this 2009 scary movie season? Scary movies. So I actually thought it was gonna be hard for me to come up with this list because, like I said, I'm not a huge gore fest fan. But as I started reviewing it, thinking about it, I actually had a challenge just limiting it to five. So, interesting. Uh, the first movie I'm gonna throw out there then is, let's say, as traditional as they come at almost Halloween, and I guarantee you'll probably see elements from this movie perhaps knocking at your door this Halloween trick-or-treating. <laughs> and that is a movie from the late 90s, and I'm going to give you a chance to guess. Do you know what it's going to be? Late 90s. You'll see it at your door if trick-or-treaters come. Oh, door, trick-or-treaters come. And the movie is... The Matrix. <laughs> 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 Not quite what I call a uh, scary movie. Rather, it is a movie called Scream. Ah, yes. And Scream is is inspired a number of movies and sequels uh, since its debut in the late 90s. Uh, but the Scream, ma- Scream the movie has made that sort of ghost mask, you know, right. iconic with the, you know, the, the shrouded, knife-wielding, killing uh, creature of the night. And it is definitely a bit on that campy teen scary movie side uh but it is so iconic and it has in some kind of catchphrases of of scary movies like you want to play a game right, you right. know the, the the whole thing it can't be really missed so if you ever if you're having a halloween party and you want to have a fun scary movie scream to me is a movie that you can't miss cool stuff so scream as a of, of course a classic film i've i've only seen parts of it i'll admit i've not seen seen all screen that's it's kind of in my my bin of shame of of 
films I need to have seen. <laughs> uh, so, so why don't you tell us just a little bit about what what Scream is about? Like I, for, I've actually I've heard weird things about it because every time I, I hear stuff from it and just from the bits I've seen, like I heard it was kind of going to be a comedy joke of earlier slasher films, kind of like the Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween's, but it's also kind of a serious. It's like slasher film too, yeah. and it, so what? Yeah, what is it? Is, it? is it a comedy? Is it a horror traditional horror film? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of those movies that does you do kind of. I think part of what makes it scary is that you can't really put your finger on what it is. It's not a true, just campy comedy about uh, horror films because it did itself carve a number of sort of paths. For, for horror films to follow. I mean, it, it very much does play on we're going to be a slasher film. Like, it, it doesn't hide that fact. But in so doing, it also kind of introduces its own approach to a slasher film. So, you know, it, it's self-critical in that sense in that it's playing off previous and it's very much over the top. But when you do have things like the, the scream mask, that ghost mask, and the things that are so close to home that you will see them. I guarantee you'll see them on Halloween. You're like, oh, you know, it reminds you of that. It's a bit of a mental a mental game. It's a legitimate scary movie. I'd say the first part of the movie is probably a little bit more campy, but it gets to become a legitimate scary movie, thriller kind of scary movie. It's definitely not gory scary. Um, and it's set up, I don't know, at least equals, it inspired the entire, or at least it played a role in inspiring that entire scary movie franchise which i think itself has three sequels right. so uh you can hardly go <laughs> and call yourself a, sure. a halloween movie fan without watching this at least once and yeah it's campy in parts but it's it, it has inspired so many other halloween movies it's sort of one you just kind of have to see to know what it's doing awesome all right so the first the first film i'll have on on my list and it's very much i think fits my personality and and this i'll have to say of my list is probably the in more of the gore camp than than any of my other films, but this is a uh, probably one of the scariest science fiction films I've ever seen, and uh, just I think a, a classic that should be shown any time you have the chance to show, show something scary, and that is the 1997 film Event Horizon by uh, that's by my, Paul Anderson. That's my number two. Oh, great! Yeah, it's so I had the the misfortune of seeing this film at a friend's house when I think I was probably 11 or 12. And let me tell you, as a 12-year-old, this film scared the crap out of me. I was, like, I, I was, of course, you know, I was there with a friend. I think I was, I was sleeping over at his house, and I didn't want to be the, the kid who's like, oh, I don't want to watch this film because I'm too scared. So I sat there and, and held my eyes open the entire time. But, oh, this this film is just so utterly horrifying. I've actually had the, the, the pleasure of getting to watch it again from an adult's eyes. And, of course, I don't find it nearly as scary now, but it's it's just such a good mix of of sci-fi, of, of, of like tense moments. Like it, it feels like there's almost like vignettes and sets of horror that it, they do through this. You have sort of your, your one scene of the kind of over the top gross gore humor. You have your scenes of the kind of like super tense, creepy moments. You have like your scenes of kind of more action adventure horror stuff. And I think it, it all fits very well, especially because, you know, you're out in space and everything is slightly more frightening. In fact, I think, Probably one of the scariest scenes in any movie I've ever seen is when a character gets flushed out the airlock, and you see you see like the worst possible things that could ever happen to you as you're in zero g happening to this guy, and it just freaked the crap out of me. Uh, a a great scary movie, uh, one of my favorites, uh, and I think it's probably the first movie I ever saw Lawrence Fishburne of of uh, Matrix fame in. So, uh, ab- absolutely yeah. great great scary movie to watch. Event Horizon. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. That's one of the ones that I had on my list. I actually considered removing it because there's some that made my standby sure. list that I, I thought about replacing it with. But it's definitely one of those that's just so creepy that it, it's not one you could have in the background. I'd say Scream is a movie you could have on the background sure. of a party and enjoy. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Invent Horizons one you kind of have to sit down and watch and just be creeped out right. by. But it's a definitely creepy movie for Halloween. Good stuff. All right, Todd, why don't you give us your next film? That was my oh, next that was film. Your so next let's movie. go to okay. yours. Well, we'll we'll <laughs> go ahead and then skip along. So my next one is a it's a very recent film, and actually, I debated on whether I would call this a scary movie, but I think it fits the profile for a movie that you could watch during the Halloween season, and that is the Swedish film Let the Right One In. 
so this was an, an independent film uh, uh, done by a, a, a little-known Swedish director, but got a, a huge following in, in the United States. It's a very untraditional vampire story uh, told about this little girl who is actually a vampire. And what's great about this film is it's not... It's not traditionally scary. It's not trying to be a horror film. It's just so creepy that you can't help but being creeped out by this film. And there's some great, just scary, freaky moments in this film. And yet it's also, I think, very compelling as a film. Like, I think this is something that takes the genre of horror and transcends above it. It says, you know what? I don't have to be campy. I don't have to be funny. I don't have to be just scary. I can have a creepy film that is actually legitimate cinema. And I think if you're a cinephile and you're looking for something that fits the bill of scary, like you don't want to go see these these horribly made Saw films or something like that, but you want to see something that's scary, let the right one in. Definitely a huge recommend. Uh, it is in subtitles, but it's I think it's it's something that you can... Uh, still appreciate uh, a really good film, freaky, freaky film. Uh, like has some some great little moments of of uh, spooky Halloween gore in it. So I think it I think it definitely will fit the bill. If you're looking for a slightly more uh, I guess uh, higher echelon Halloween party in your film picks. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely did not make my list. There's no high echelon <laughs> parties here. But making number three on my list was a film that still creeps me out, so I still don't rewatch it because it's creeped me out. <laughs> but I did see in theaters at the time called The Ring, which uh, was yes. a remake, I think, of a Japanese of the film. Japanese film Ringu. Uh, but The Ring was so creepy the first time I saw it. I can remember in college coming back to the apartment after college and sitting in the room <laughs> and kind of staring at the corner and just being just being hopeful that it just didn't flicker on to static because <laughs> the movie was so, I don't know, creepy on that level. But uh, I think this has to make some of the top lists for scary, just creep you out movies. Uh, it's not gory by any stretch. It's, but it's just not. one of those movies that plays on that weird kind of, it's kind of kind of familiar, so it feels scary. It uses a little girl, and somehow little girls little always girls feel creepy. scary. For That's creepy as heck. And creepy movies. And uh, for me, definitely by far one of the creepiest movies that I can yet think of, and I'm reluctant to rewatch. So, <laughs> no, I, so if you look the, at the ring for creepy, I think the it's ring here. is a great choice. And actually, one of the reasons, like, and I know, I know the ring. Like, there's a follow-up movie called The Grudge, which was supposed to be kind of in the same vein. It was another remake of a Japanese film. Uh, but uh, I, no, I watched it; and it wasn't very good. And I know there've been there've been follow-ups to the ring, and I've seen them. They're also not very good. But the original ring just really rung true, and this is what I applaud it for, and this is exactly what you said. It's a scary film that just managed to be scary because it's creepy as heck, like, every single instant, and yet it never really gets gory, which, you know, I love films that can be incredibly frightening and yet still merit a PG-13 rating. It's something that you can watch without having to worry about, oh, is there going to be something so gross that I'm going to be, you know, feel sick to my stomach? And that's, I mean, that I think this is a, a perfect film. It's definitely freaky and scary as heck. Uh, I, a huge, huge, huge recommend. I can still think, I, I still, every time I think back to that movie, I think of that scene where, I think, I'm sure as most people do, where she comes crawling out of the TV, yeah, right. and she's kind of like crawling on all fours, and then, you know, a, a frame later, she's she like jumps completely into, standing up just right, right in front of him. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's, yeah I, mean, it, I think it does a great job, and, and true, it, it does steal all this completely from the Japanese film, so you have to give credit to the originals, but I think it's, it really is a great remake, and I think it it translate translates well in doing in doing scary things well. In fact, I would say of twists in scary movies, which there are always twists in scary movies, I think The Ring is probably one of the best scary movie twists I've ever had. And I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's got a it's got a wonderful twist. Yeah, it is it is a creepy, creepy movie. It makes me creeps me out just talking <laughs> about it. So let's move on. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so I'll go I'll go on to my to my next film, my third film, and this is this is a good old classic and i i can't not mention scary or suspenseful films without mentioning this and and though it's it's probably not considered a, a traditional horror film and i'm sure people would not find it as scary now i still get creeped out by this film and that is the classic alfred hitchcock's the birds now i've i've seen many hitchcock films and i i love hitchcock in fact i think i think hitchcock is not so much a horror director as a suspense director, and I think this is, falls into that suspense category, but 
something that just there's something that creeps me out innately about the birds and that's because I, I don't think i ever found birds the concept of birds as a frightening concept until i watched this film and there's something good about taking things that seem so harmless like birds which always you know scatter out of your way when you go toward them and just making an entire flock of them seem like the most dangerous like force around you and now even when i see flocks of birds like i get a little creeped out because like I, I realize that if those birds suddenly all decided to like fly down and start pecking at me they could peck me to death and that's a frightening concept and and the birds just plays on this this weird twist of normally innocent creatures and makes them really 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 frightening and i actually and and one of my other favorite things about this and this is something i love about good suspense and scary movies is it does something without ever explaining it like there's something this thing these birds just attack people with no reason they never explain it and they by the end of the film you don't know why it just happens it's a it's like a force of nature and i and that that's the thing that leaves me i think the most creeped out by the film is you just kind of like you leave it without any feeling of resolution it's just like this thing happened and we don't know why and that's it and uh, it gives me the, the goosebumps just thinking about it so uh that's funny. I mean, I, I definitely enjoy the birds, and I enjoy Alfred Hitchcock films quite a bit. Uh, but for me, it's one that comes off, especially because of the production quality of the sure. time, as being a bit more comedy than scary. <laughs> uh, you know, it never really, really gets to that point where I'm, like, scared. It's like, man, that sucks. Like, the birds are, are killing you. But I get, I get where well, you're coming from I, that. Definitely, and I would definitely say, for the say another great thing about this, and this is something you have to do, watch this in the right context. And I would actually challenge you, Todd, to watch this in the right context. Uh, because one of the great things about this is it has so little soundtrack, and most of the film is just like these creepy, evil bird sounds of them like flocking and making like creepy, creepy sounds. And you have these really long sequences where that's the only thing you hear is this like, rah, 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 and you're like, yeah. Like there's something about that I find I find particularly unnerving of not having a soundtrack to back it up and to inform you of how you're supposed to feel. There's just something disturbing about it. So. So yeah, my definitely definitely I think this is my favorite of the sort of frightening suspenseful Hitchcock films. So next up on my list then, something that I find equally as creepy as The Ring, uh my previous pick and one of the few movies that I've ever walked out of the theater on uh cuz it was it was replayed in theaters uh in the late 90s I think, maybe early 2000. Uh but one of the very few films I've ever walked out on. Uh, and that is the classic film, The Exorcist. Ah, yes. Um, a movie that I don't even know if I could still watch all the way through because <laughs> it gets so creepy uh, when you get to the point where, once again, a little girl is, you know, possessed by the devil doing just, you know, right. the tradition. I mean, The Exorcist is another one of those movies that, like Scream before it, has inspired so many other plays on scary movies that. It's one you kind of have to see to know where the root comes from, but the spinning head, yep. all these weird things. I mean, it's it all comes from this, at least as far as my awareness of it is uh, concerned. And it is just creepy and disturbing. There's just no other way to describe <laughs> it. No, the, the Exorcist, of course, but, such a classic film. Classic. And and I would say I definitely I find this. Here, here's how I put it. I think Exorcist falls into a category of not frightening to me, but just disturbing like there's no part of that film that just doesn't make you crawl and cringe in some kind of way it's just really unnerving from that sense and if in that sense like if that's what you're going for like to completely disturb your audience like this is the most i think disturbing film ever made and i i have do have a hard time watching it just because of how blatantly disturbing it is in a uh, def- yeah, I mean, it, it it really is. It's just to that point of like, and, and even at the point to me for where you say, okay, it's a movie. You're making sure. a movie, but you had to have some girl, right. a real right. girl, you know, go through all this and say these lines right. and do these things. You know, in the context of making a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like how much her up in the process yeah, of making it's, it's this like, movie? It's like, who, I mean, I who let know. that child perform that part? I hope that is an animatronic yeah. child. <laughs> Because holy crap, I know. It's like, this has to be against some not, kind of what, law. What parent like read this script? It's like, all right, honey, let's recite your lines. All you have to It's like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you let your little nine-year-old do yeah, that? Yeah, no kidding. So, so I guess you're right. I mean, I don't know if that quite makes 
scary movie, but certainly creepy movie. So that's another one of those movies that kind of like Event Horizon. If you sit down with a group of people on Halloween, you're gonna be just creeped out. So most definitely. And it's and that's my classic throwback. I was debating between throwing back to that and to toss in one of my just to to get one of them out of the way. One of my nominees, my my runners-up, Psycho, which is another classic. A scary movie. In, you know, I thought you know, it's 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 interesting. Uh, I actually went and I actually saw Psycho just a little while ago because I think it was on Netflix Instant Watch. And and having watched it, like, I don't find Psycho to be terribly scary. In fact, I think Psycho is much more of a detective story than it is a frightening story. And that's and that's why I actually when I was thinking about you know classic Hitchcock films to put on this list, I uh, decided to leave it off because the birds I find to be just far more disturbing in general. And far more, the point of it is this kind of weird horror scenario. Whereas Psycho, I think, ends up being a far more traditional detective story. So, though still, still, yeah, still the only you even reference Psycho is because it, like some of these other movies, has inspired so much sure. since its time. I mean, that that whole you know knife noise that we all make. Yeah, eek, yeah. Eek, no, eek, I mean, it's, eek, I mean that, that came from Psycho. Clearly so a classic. Yeah, it's one of those movies that you you almost can't ignore around this time of the right. year. But still. That's my next pick. Cool. All right. Well, so my 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 second or I guess second to the last pick is another classic, and this is still a film that creeps the crap out of me when I watch it, and that's why I love it so much. The famous Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining. Uh, there. This is a, another one of those films that has that has really you know laid down the foundation for future films and future scary films. Uh, anytime you hear red rum or you see those the pictures of like blood flowing down the hallway or two creepy little girls saying come play with us that's the shining uh it's 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 <laughs> it sounds like mr Ryan. that's the shining, <laughs> that's the shining. <laughs> it's i mean it really welcome to your horror movie <laughs> it, it really is a, a classic in there and i do find it just weirdly disturbing so i think stanley kubrick was kind of a screwed up guy <laughs> in general if you if you've yeah. seen his films uh uh, he had he had a he liked to trend toward these really weird and kind of bizarre films, and The Shining is just just a, a great example of one of those really weirdly bizarre films, and uh, has have some some excellent fright and scare moments in it. It's again, it's one of those things that ne- will never get you of. It's, it doesn't have any monster closet thing, so it doesn't really have the whole thing of you know things popping out at you or jump scenes. So if that's what you're looking for, that's not what this film is. But if you're looking for like just a good classic freaky horror film, The Shining is is a perfect example of it, and also has you know quite quite a good degree of cinematic pedigree to it. So a uh, huge fan of The Shining, uh, and that is my my uh, next pick. So that brings me to my last official pick, and I say official because there are a few that made my honorable mentions list that I feel should be mentioned later. But to stick to the top five, uh, I really don't know that you can go past scary movies, Halloween uh, time, without making your lists include at some point my last pick, which is the aptly named movie Halloween Halloween (laughs) from 1978. Uh, The original Halloween movie starring, uh, among other people, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis kind of put her on the map. Uh, But this is the movie from which Michael Myers, Mike Myers, the character is born. Not the comedian. Uh, The whole (laughs) hockey... Yeah, not the comedian. The hockey mask wearing serial killer. Oh, no, no, that's... To be be clear, hockey mask is Jason. The... Oh, excuse me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. White white face mask is is Mike Myers, right? Yeah. Apologize. It's easy to confuse these. Um, the white-faced mask, blue jumpsuit uh, killer, and inspired numerous sequels since then. Um, <laughs> the music is almost as iconic as the movie Not name really itself. Is. You know, we all kind of know it these days. Uh, but another one of those classics that, to me, this actually does fall more into the traditional horror slash. Uh, scary movie, which y- you could almost paint this movie or paint this genre in a very specific way, uh, which is that you have a number of fun-loving people that come together and they're having a good time, and then as the movie progresses, slowly but surely, one or two of them, if they're having sex, end up, you know, by themselves in a scene that sets them up perfectly for being somehow ambushed by the Rome. Ro- being serial and uh, that that is definitely the formula of Halloween. As in it fact, is in fact, for many I really movies. think this defined the slasher horror film genre. Like I think 
I mean, as you put it, it it defined you. You set up a character who was wronged or accidentally killed or something like that as a young child or something like that. They come back in this weird, creepy, you know, flat face form where you never get to see the person. This kind of flat affect person, and they kill the teens as they go off and have sex. <laughs> like that is that is yeah, every slasher film. <laughs> And this is <laughs> sort of defines the this genre. Is, and this is the father of slasher films. <laughs> so for me, I can enjoy this film because it doesn't really quite get as gory as a number of the modern sure. slasher films have. You know, clearly comes to mind, and one that I think probably won't make your list either is the Saw franchise. Right. And I think right around this time, we're we're maybe what in the sixth sixth we installment the, of the Saw movies. Sadly, just, in the sixth installment, <laughs> which is hard to believe those but you know we've come to this point now where i guess you kind of always have to outdo yourself and so we've gotten so so realistic i mean if you think about special effects we've gotten so gruesome that for me i can't enjoy how gruesome they make the movies anymore but this kind of original slasher film yeah it's slasher but it's not so gory that you can't enjoy the slasher film aspect of it so uh that makes my list and clearly you're gonna have a good time if you put this on remember the sort of good old days of Halloween, and if you're having a Halloween party, I think this definitely makes the list. Great. Okay, well, that gets to my last pick. I'm, I'm actually kind of kind of sad, but you mentioned this before, but I still would say this is probably one of my favorite scary movies, even though it may not be of the traditional horror genre, and that is the Robert Zemeckis film, What Lies Beneath. I think, I think, this, I okay. think this film fits the bill almost perfectly because it is very much a, a classic Hitchcockian thriller it is full of great jump scenes. The entire premise of the film is very much this supernatural, you know, it's, it's, it's a slash between the supernatural thriller and this kind of murder thriller. And it, I think it does both of those elements very well. The suspense of, like, who's the murderer and also the, the creepiness of this supernatural element entering into that. Like, I actually think of, you know, the, the classic, classic scenes that you have in, I think, all horror films now is the the clouded, the clouded, misty uh, bathroom window or bathroom mirror, which when you turn away has something written in it. I think this was the first time I actually ever saw that get played out, and it. I thought it worked really well, and I thought it, you know, it, it actually, you know, startled me and frightened me quite to uh, quite a good degree. And I still find this film to be be one of the best examples of a film that doesn't feel like it needs to get gory and gross, and doesn't feel like it needs to get campy but still manages to be like legitimately suspenseful and frightening and scary and still tie together a very classic scary movie horror genre, which is this sort of supernatural ghost element. It's definitely one of my, yeah, one of my a great movie. In fact, yeah. One of my favorite modern or contemporary Harrison Ford movies, you know, sure. from a, a number of things he's done since uh, his, his more well-known pieces. This to me is one of his better, especially in this sort of, weird role that he plays in that movie uh one of my favorite suspense films no question i don't, I don't know if i go as far as calling it a scary film but certainly one of my favorite suspense films uh and as an odd bit of trivia just to educate and give you something to share with your friends do you know why this movie was made uh actually that's a good question i do not know why it was made Robert Zemeckis at the time was filming another very big box office movie with a very big main A-list Hollywood star. Ah, yes. Castaway. Any, any guess? Castaway. And in that movie, Tom Hanks, the star, needed to lose a significant amount right. of weight. And it couldn't be done overnight to make the movie play out. And so Robert Zemeckis had a great film crew he didn't want to other projects you know in the time that it took for tom hanks to lose his weight so he needed to get them all engaged in another project and what lies beneath was that project so essentially what lies beneath was the filler movie that huh. they made between the beginning and the end of filming castaway really which is kind of funny because it turned out to me to be a better movie than yeah, it's, it's, it's i mean this, this actually it. is really interesting because it's very different for robert zemeckis you know i think of robert zemeckis and i think of of you know, Back to the Future and in you know Castaway and and like his recent like 3D animated films and stuff like that. I think of a or he did a, a Force Gump or something like that. Like that, I think of a very different person than a great suspense you know scary or jump movie film. And What Nice of Beneath was was perfect. I think it's I think it's fact in one of the best tributes to the film styles of Hitchcock that I've ever seen. And 
what is Robert Zemeckis doing? Why is he making, you know, the Christmas story in 3D? <laughs> make more films like this. Make some suspense films. I would love to see another suspense film by, by Robert Zemeckis. Apparently, we've got to get him sandwiched between some of their long films. So much to go in there and, like, burn, like, half the reel of a film he's made and be like, oh, we're, we're going to have to keep on doing this thing, but... uh Let's do something in the meantime where they're fixing up your, your burn studio. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we, we're, that's our, my top five. Scream, Event Horizon, The Ring, The Exorcist, and Halloween. Uh, your top five was my what? My top five were Event Horizon, Let the Right One In, The Birds, The Shining, and What Lies Beneath. And I can't... I just feel wrong without just mentioning my, my honorable mentions, movies that I had written down but crossed out to put others in their place. Uh, and that is, of course, Silence of the Lambs, which is another Indeed. classic kind of scary movie. Um, I already mentioned Psycho. Uh, Seven, which is very much in the same one of my vein of favorite Silence creepy Lambs. movies with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Very, very much in the same vein. You know, another really kind of weird, creepy serial killer right movie and then one which probably doesn't make many lists but i like for a very specific reason and that is the a movie called the cell from 2000 which was a bit weird i don't think it got great reviews but it stars uh unfortunately jennifer lopez (laughs) i don't think she really is what makes that movie but it's vincent d'onofrio's role from who you may know from law and order who plays just uh, the creepy serial killer and the way they do the um the sort of dream scenes in that movie where there's these costumes and these really creepy, creepy dream sequences right. inside of her mind where Vincent D'Onofrio plays this just creepy serial killer in, in her mind, uh, for me, makes it one of those movies that is so different that it has to make the list for honorable mentions for, for scary movies. Definitely. And, and I, I also had some some things I was considering putting on the list but decided not to either because I didn't feel like they quite fit the genre or or there was something better to put on. And one of those, and this is this is probably not something people would traditionally consider a scary movie, but the first time I saw this film is probably one of the most frightening and intense experiences I've ever had in a movie theater, and that is the M. Night Shyamalan film Signs. The first time I saw that film, okay. I was it just creeped the crap out of me. So I'll admit, I have like a fear, a general fear of like alien abduction films in general. And in fact... <laughs> I gotta say, because I've heard this before, and that movie far from creeped me out. It's, it was not creepy to me. I at think all. It, it has to fit the right person. Like I, I can't even watch movies like like uh, Fire in the Sky or stuff like that. I, I just I avoid them. I, I can't do it. Like I, I would put it on this list, but I can't say I've seen it because it scares scares me too much. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, there's there's some. I found something just innately creepy about the first time I saw Signs. I don't know what it was, but it just really gave me like the willies and i thought it's i i really think it's it's probably one of the best m night Shyamalan films ever produced and i i love to go back and watch it now again and again i still get that that fun little sense of creepiness but there's also so much other so many other great things in this i, I think the the way he shoots the film is, is just absolutely absolutely spectacular uh so signs is something i thought about putting on the list but i understand a lot of people just don't find it scary and that's that's fine, but I found that in- incredibly scary <laughs> the first time I saw it. Sit yourself. <laughs> uh, another one I put sure. on here, and this is not a scary film, but I think it's a film that fits the season. And if you're looking for something that's not scary but still fits the kind of horror, gory, blood kind of thing, is the the recent musical Sweeney Todd, uh, starring Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. I think it, it very much fits the season that we're in. Uh, I think it's I I love the musical itself and I actually thought this was a great rendition of it. If you're looking for something to kind of turn your stomach, uh, uh, this this follows a very classic uh, uh, French tradition of just like gory cinema and gory theater called the Grand Guignon or something like that. Uh, but it's it's I think it's it's something else I would recommend if you're looking for something that's not overtly frightening but still still kind of creepy and gory. It's a I really did enjoy Sweeney Todd. Good lists. Okay, dope. I think if you if you watch <laughs> the movies from that list, or you play any of the movies from these lists yeah. at your <laughs> Halloween parties, I think you will have some great parties. Definitely. And I think your guests will enjoy that you didn't go to the easy picks like Saw exactly. and, or 
uh, Freddy Krueger's sure. Friday 13th movies or some of the others that are just super easy picks. Think of these as your educated yet entertaining <laughs> Halloween party movie Absolutely. picks. Absolutely. There is a lot of crappy horror film out there and you don't have to pay those people money so they will keep on making more crappy horror films. Go go pick out from this great list of of uh, scary and suspenseful and horror films that we have from from our past. All right, well, that does it for this spooky episode of Weekly Monotony. Of course, come back to DailyMonotony.com as often as you can. Read up on the latest goings-on of the world of media and my general musings on life. And until next time, <laughs> to on life. life in general. But until next time, do borrow from, nice. from another podcast, but fi- fitting this very spooky theme. We're ghosts. The bedroom where the vampires feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash.